Amen. Amen. I feel a victorious spirit in this house this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. Some of you have already been fighting a battle, and, and uh, you've won it, that battle of mind over mattress. <laughs> You're here. Hallelujah. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and give them a smile there this morning before you're seated. Amen. It'll improve your face value. <laughs> and you can be seated for a few moments this morning. Thank you, Pastor Riggin, for the kind introduction. There is just nobody like the pastor. Hallelujah. It's glad to have him right back here on site. And uh, David said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. That's the chief shepherd, amen, of the Lord our God. But as we know, God has appointed those who are to be on-site shepherds. And uh, wasn't so long ago, a while back, I was driving through some of the mountainous areas of Colorado, and up on this green mountainside was this beautiful flock of white sheep, brother. And uh, they just seemed so peaceful and so settled. And, and uh, as, I, as I looked, it wasn't too far off there. There was a man watching over him, a shepherd. And uh, they were protected from any uh, predators because that shepherd was there. They, uh, they felt secure. And uh, he was counting, make sure they were all there. And uh, God has blessed this church with a shepherd. Amen. God appointed him to be the spiritual head of this church here, this local assembly. And uh, I, I believe this assembly can feel safe and secure. Amen. There, there's uh, somebody watching for the soul of the individuals, the saints of this church. Thank you, Pastor Riggin, for the privilege of just being part of what's going on here the past few weeks. And uh, um, God's been good. Amen. I feel victory here this morning. We had a good time already this weekend. Some of us met here yesterday. Some of you just been going about your everyday business witnessing, and then some of them came yesterday morning, and uh, we, we had a great time. We consumed almost two dozen donuts. That's how good a time we had. <laughs> Plus, uh, we went out and visited some folks, invited them to church, got a very rep positive response, and uh, God is being glorified. Amen. He is good to us, and we expect to see great things continuing to happen right here at New Life Pentecostal Church. Oh, it's just the beginning. Hallelujah. Revival. Amen. I'm glad to be part of a revival church right here in Olathe, Kansas, these past little while, these past few weeks. And uh, so as we uh, look forward, uh, look forward to great things in the Lord. Praise God. Well, now the, uh, the young folks are downstairs, as usual. Hopefully somebody down there is getting a revelation. Sunday school teachers are on the job. You probably heard about the uh, class where uh, one of the Sunday school teachers is having creative time for the kids, and Johnny was furiously drawing one of the little kids, and she looked over his shoulder, Johnny, what are you drawing? And he said, I'm drawing God. She said, well, now, Johnny, you know from our lesson that no, nobody has seen God. Nobody knows what he looks like. Johnny said, well, in a few minutes they will. As they, as they continue drop. <laughs> so I'm um, trusting good things are going on down there, and we want good things to happen right here. Somebody summed up a successful church service by saying how what happens in a successful church service, and, and 
and uh, he said our hearts are made a bit warmer and our lives made a bit more holy and if that happens right here this morning we have had a good church service I believe God wants that to happen amen amen Lord just warm my heart a bit God draw me a little bit closer to your holy presence before I leave here today well turn with me to the book of 2nd Corinthians if you would Second Corinthians chapter 7. Those Corinthians were a crazy bunch, weren't they? They had their ups and they had their downs, and uh, I suppose it's a lot like our Christian experience. Uh, theirs went, uh, their downs were a bit deeper than what I would like to go. <clears throat> but Paul didn't give up on them. He knew there was potential there. He saw what the Lord was doing there. And uh, so in chapter 7, he writes uh, to the Corinthians regarding some difficulties they were having in the church, and he gave them the remedy. And uh, let's just read there. Verse 8, we'll start. It says, For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. He wouldn't have changed it. That's, that's what God directed him to do is write them that letter. He says, Though I did repent, for I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. And so they were sorry. He saw that something good came out of that. Really, something miraculous came out of that because as we read verse 11, he saw this happen in that group. He said, For behold, this selfsame thing, that you sorrowed after a godly sort, and what carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge. In all things you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Thank God for the miraculous power of this repentant attitude that this group of people had here. And I believe that miraculous power of repentance is still available to us today. Oh, yeah, if we'll humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, if we'll fall humbly before his uh, presence, God is a forgiving God. He's a loving God. Amen. Hallelujah, he's a merciful God. And this morning, uh, I just want to title this message, Miraculous Power of Repentance. The Miraculous Power of Repentance. Let's reach out to the Lord together. Amen, God. We invite your touch. We invite your presence, Lord. Hallelujah. For in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore, O oh God. We believe you today, O oh Lord, for the power of God to move in our midst. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You are here to quicken, to revive, to rejuvenate. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Amen. God bless you. Everybody say in Jesus' name. You can be seated together this morning. I am so excited about what God is doing in the last day's church. Amen. There is revival taking place. We're not waiting for it. It's not coming somewhere out there in the, the nebulous future, but revival is right now. Amen. There's a revival spirit in this church this morning. Amen. The presence of the Lord is here. If you've missed it, reach out to God right now. You can enter into his presence. Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, our God is a great God, and he has come to visit this world that is so lost in sin. Amen. There is a, uh, uh, they used to call it a spiritual awakening that is taking place in these last days. As our world has drifted from its moors, from its moorings of, uh, of, of the moral teachings of the Scripture and has discovered uh, that's not the answer. Amen. Drifting out and doing my own thing and, and whatever is good, just whatever feels good, just do it. That's not the answer. Amen. I'm okay and you're okay. That's not the answer. Amen. None of us is okay without the touch of God on our life. Amen. Without his forgiveness, none of us is headed the right direction. Praise God. And so the scripture tells us there was a message that went forth in the scripture. And the uh, Bible says God commanded all men everywhere to repent as we open up the books of the New Testament. And uh, it, it, the first man to appear on the scene was a man named John the Baptist. John came out of the wilderness, and he came with a simple, powerful, shaking message. He said, repent ye, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He said that to the high, he said that to the low. It didn't matter their station in life. He simply said, the, the answer to your problems is repentance. That has not changed yet today. Repent or you'll perish is the message of our day. Amen. John came crashing into Israel's religious uh, community, religious complacency. Amen. He rattled the cage of those religious leaders of that day, and he said, bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. There's going to be a change that takes place when somebody really cries out to God and wants to make things right with God. Hallelujah. And you and I wouldn't be here today if we hadn't already found a place. We cried out to God and said, God, uh, I've messed it up. Lord, my life, uh, I, I've made a, a wreck of it. I, I'm headed the wrong direction. I tried to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. That hadn't worked. That won't get us very far. And uh, John came against the status quo of his day. He said, repent, you generation of vipers. Now, wait a minute. That was the good guys he was preaching to, wasn't it? That was the priests, and that was the Pharisees, and that was the Sadducees. That was, you know, that was the religious of his day. John simply brought the message that God had given him. Amen. And it brought about a miraculous turning of events in that nation. Amen. We're talking about an entire nation that came to be baptized. 
an entire nation that came to be baptized under repentance so that John the Baptist could be the one that turned everybody to Jesus Christ and said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He was insistent, John was. He was uh, persistent. And uh, he wanted every man to know that true light that was coming into the world. Well, we're in a time in 2014. Hallelujah. We want men to see the light. Praise God. We want them to turn from their wicked ways. We want them to turn from their worldliness, to turn from the darkness, amen, and to turn toward his light. And the message of repentance still is the answer today. Oh, yes, it is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. There are those that it is a miracle. It is a miracle what God does when someone turns. That's, that's what the term repentance means. It doesn't mean remorse. It's repent, not remorse. Remorse involves uh, more than just the emotions. And sorry that, sorry I got caught. I wish I could just got by with it. That's, that's remorse. The tears that uh, someone cries in their jail cell or wherever they end up. And, uh, and so repentance goes beyond that. It goes beyond penance for sure. <laughs> Those are two different words, repentance and penance. Penance is trying to do enough good to make up for the bad. It's trying to crawl far enough on some glass shards to make up for, uh, you know, something that was done to somebody else, some, uh, some immorality or, or some violence or some uh, dastardly deed that was done. And uh, repentance doesn't work either, but repentance brings a godly sorrow so that we can cry out as David did. He said, against thee, against thee only have I sinned, O God and done this evil in thy sight. And it will bring a, an awakening. Amen. It will bring an awakening in, in an individual's life. Praise God. Praise God. There are times uh, we see somebody going the wrong way. Someone dear to our heart. Might be a family member. Might be a friend. Somebody we grew up with. And we see how they've taken a wrong turn or two in their life. And uh, they're headed into the darkness, and they're wrecking their life. And we cry out, God, have mercy on them. Lord, draw them by your spirit. And I believe God does that. Amen. Now, now we, can't make, we can't make somebody to re, uh, repent. And uh, it seems that God will not violate the will of someone. But, but I believe this. Our prayers and our cries to God will be effective when that person does make their decision. When they do decide, I'm going to make my way to God, our prayers open that way. Amen. We pray out, God, give them victory over the flesh. They may not be finding that victory right now, but when they turn to God, they will. That prayer will be answered. We pray, God, give them victory over every spirit. Let me encourage you a little bit. You may have been praying for somebody that hadn't made the turn just yet. But if you've been praying, oh, God, open their heart to receive a love for the truth that they might be saved, guess what? When they hit that altar in repentance, that prayer can be answered. 
Hallelujah. We can make it easy for that person to live for God. We can pray, God, help them become a prayer warrior. We're looking forward. We're looking ahead to that time when they make the right turn. Hallelujah. We're able to pray with them, and they make that uh, breakthrough. We call it a breakthrough. I've seen it happen, and you've seen it happen. Oh, and it can happen again when somebody comes. They feel the tug of God, and it's their time. It's miraculous what happens. We see somebody headed down the road of sin, that broad, wide road that leads to destruction. Hell is going to be their portion. Like one of my teachers used to say in grade school, she'd say, oh, we're having a, she loved us kids. She said, we're going to be having a field trip today. Oh, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? You're going to go to hell if you don't change your ways, she'd say. This little grin on her face. <laughs> it was just her saying, you'll find out whenever I'm ready to tell you. But I haven't forgotten that either. But when somebody changes their direction and changes their ways, amen, a miracle takes place. Suddenly, their feet are on a different path. Amen. Their life is taking a different direction. There's a different look on their face. Praise God. There's a different way that they dress. There's a different place, places that they go. Amen. They don't go down the Joe's place anymore. They come to the Lord's place. Oh, they don't fall on their knees retching and, and uh, cry out because of the pain in their head from that hangover. But they're crying out to God and thanking him for his glory, hallelujah, for his mercy on their lives. It's a miracle. Wasn't too long ago, uh, a young lady was coming to church there in Colorado, and uh, she'd had a hard life. And that hard life had, uh, she developed hard feelings certain hardness of the heart and she'd come and pray and pray and reach out to God it just seemed so dry but she was faithful she would just every time that altar was open she'd come and she'd pray at that altar and uh, you know, everybody would come and pray with her the, the saints would come and pray and cry out to God with her and the preachers come and lay hands on her and uh, you know she was making incremental steps in the right direction hallelujah there was a time that came brother I'll just tell it the way it happened uh, she hadn't broken through yet but one morning she came to church and something was different she had she had laid aside that those worldly ornaments she had put on some modest clothing she came to do business amen somehow through prayer and through crying out to God, that hardness in that heart had been broken up. And those hard feelings, there had been the tenderizing of that heart. And when she came to the altar that day, amen, it was different. No longer dry prayer. But oh, there was a reality to it. There was a, a depth to that prayer. And as she lifted up her hands and they began to pray for her, in just a few minutes she was speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Her repentance and the fruits brought forth that were meat for repentance prepared her heart. Hallelujah. 
Oh, we don't underestimate what God can do when someone cries out to him for mercy. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's the way it happens. Yeah, and we can clap our hands because we can remember where we were. Such were some of us. Amen. We've been washed. We've been sanctified. And repentance prepares that heart. Hallelujah. We have water right here. Amen. We love to baptize people in Jesus' name. We love to see those sins washed away. And someone is preparing to be baptized when they repent. Baptism is a burial, right? Amen. It's gone down in the name of Jesus. Praise God. But we don't want to bury somebody who isn't dead. <laughs> we want them to be thoroughly, uh, to die out to sin, a depth of repentance. Sometimes we look at folks and, and they come up out of the water and, you know, we've done our best to pray with them and prepare them for that and bring them to a, a point of faith and repentance so that they're ready. And some get out of that water and they hit the ground running. Amen. Living for God and, uh, and uh, faithful and, and successful living for God. And we say, praise the Lord. Then there are others. And we say, what happened? They hit the ground and I'm sorry, they might have been running the wrong way. Back to their old ways. Back to the world. Back to the things that God intended to deliver them from. What is the difference? Well, I'd have to say just from observation that the difference is a depth of that repentance experience. Amen. We're to open up that heart and just empty everything out. Just make sure there's nothing there that would hinder that progress with the Lord. Amen. I, I can't say that I've ever seen where somebody got more of God than another person. When we get God, amen, and we get the Holy Ghost, and he fills us with the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, he gives us that power of the Holy Ghost. However, sometimes God can get more of us, and that's the difference. How much of God are we willing to give of us? Oh, when we cry out to him, and we just lay it all out there, amen, get up from that altar and leave it all right there, all that world, amen. All, all, all that, uh, that worldly entertainment, all those worldly activities. And we live in a world, hallelujah, it's getting more worldly all the time. I don't have to say that. You know that. That entertainment industry, you know, it's not too popular to hear that preached against, though I know you hear it preached against in this church. Because the perversion and the ungodliness that comes through the media and the entertainment of our day is nonstop. It's available 24-7. Amen. Why would we want to go back to the hog trough? Why would we want to turn on and click on that, uh, that filth again? I have no idea. God delivered me from that. Amen. I left that on the altar. I know where that took me. It wasn't taking me where I wanted to go. Amen. I want to go that straight, narrow road. Hallelujah. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way. And if there's few there be that find it, Lord, I want to be one of the few. Amen. Lord, I'm going to give wholehearted effort 
to making heaven my home. How about you? Thank you, Lord. It was repent or perish. That was the message that John came with. And it rocked that nation from the top to the bottom. Amen. Amen. There have been other what they call term spiritual awakenings in, in uh, America in the early 1800s. There were, they can't really attribute it to any one individual, of course, but in early America, there was a, a move of what they called revivalism. And there were many preachers involved in that. There were saints praying and preachers preaching. And one of the men who lived in that period of time uh, was Charles Finney. I think that was his autobiography I saw in your office the other day, brother. I'm going by memory, so you might need to correct me, but if my memory serves me correctly, this man claimed to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Um, and so he was an early denominal man who still had some connections to the Word of God, to the truth in the Word. And uh, so he would preach and he would pray and they said that uh, he had such a touch of God on his life that uh, one event, one incident was where he was being led on a tour through a, a manufacturing facility. And uh, as he went through that facility, he didn't go there to preach. He, he didn't go there to, to uh, you know, on an evangelistic mission of any sort. But the way it was described is as though a wave of repentance swept through that facility as he walked through there. Men fell to their knees. Working men cried out to God for his mercy. Amen. It's miraculous what God does through repentance. Amen. It opened a door for many to find their way to God. It's still happening today where there's a church, where there's a people that believes in this miraculous power. Hallelujah. The Spirit of God can move. It can flow freely. Hallelujah. And people can come to an altar and find what they need from God. Praise God. Men of God have always preached repentance. David was a man who was a man after God's own heart. And... Uh, Though he was a man after God's own heart, he was a king, sat upon the throne, ruled God's people. He wrote many of the Psalms, yet David was a man. And the scripture is, is not uh, of the sort that would hide a man's good and or hide a man's sin. Um, and so the Bible tells us of how David took Bathsheba when her husband was out in battle. And... Uh, one thing led to another, and there was a baby that was conceived, and uh, lies were told by David, and a uh, conspiracy was made and a murder of her husband to try to cover up his immorality and his sin so that he could remain upon the throne. But God has a man, and that man's name was Nathan in David's day. And Nathan came to David. He loved David. There was a close relationship there, and, and they spent time together, apparently. This prophet Nathan came to him and simply told him a little parable. Some of you remember that parable. Yeah, it was a parable about 
a man who had a lot of sheep and then uh, his neighbor had only one little lamb and a wayfaring man came in this little parable that Nathan told just, just a brief little parable he said guess what David now David had been a shepherd as he was a, as a child right so he could relate to this parable and he said guess what David a wayfaring man came and came to this man with many sheep and said would you dress me a sheep and, and I'm hungry and that, that man instead of taking one of his many sheep took his neighbor's one little lamb dressed it for the wayfaring man and David said you know what should be done to that man in that parable he should be killed he should die Nathan simply pointed the finger and he said David you're the man you're the man you had all this kingdom and your neighbor you took his one possession and uh, not only that you had him killed and so David found a place of guess what repentance if there's one thing that made David a man after God's own heart not only would it have been his Psalms but the subject of his Psalms and in Psalm 51 it's the record of David's repentance when Nathan had come to him and had told them this little, little parable and in the first four verses David just cries out to God if you want to turn there if you have your Bible and he cries out and he says have mercy upon me O God according to thy loving kindness according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies blot out my transgressions wash me throughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me and he said this in verse 4 against thee thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest amen David had the right approach didn't he he didn't have he didn't come to God with just remorse that he'd been caught he said God you know what I've done it's against you that I have sinned whether anybody else ever knew or not David realized that his relationship with God was at stake not only that in this case under the law his life was at stake that's right because the judgment under the law for a man who committed adultery as David had done was to be stoned to death and as David cried out to God and fasted and prayed for seven days those those days of repentance God was merciful amen now it didn't all turn out good the little baby that was born to him in Bathsheba that little baby was sick and died but God was merciful in that David was allowed to return to that throne and again rule the people of Israel but David was a changed man he understood the mercy of God in a way he had never understood it before amen and he said as we read on there in his scriptures he said now I can tell those that are distant from you I can tell them of the mercy of God I can tell them of the mercy of the Lord like I've never been able to before and oh, there's some people sitting on these pews today we have a message amen it's not a message of condemnation this world's already condemned this world is already lost in sin Amen. We don't need to put them down any further, but we need to show them the way up. 
hallelujah, in that way is a way of repentance where they can find the mercy of God. Hallelujah. Our God is still reaching down into the depths of darkness and still rescuing souls from their Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so he cried out to the Lord there in verse 10 of that same chapter. He said, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Oh, God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. He said, then I'll do it. I'll teach transgressors your ways, Lord. Amen. I'll have what I need. Our experience of repentance provides such a miraculous transformation that it allows us to even reach to others about us. Hallelujah. You know what the Bible tells me? There's something that powerful that leads to repentance. It's called the goodness of God. Did you ever read that in the book of Romans? You know who penned the words on the page, the book of Romans, was a man named Paul. A man who had persecuted the church. He said he was the chiefest of sinners. And uh, he was the one who described himself as the least of the apostles who was not worthy. But God had had mercy upon this man. He had been struck down to the ground. He had been brought low. He came out repenting. That's how he came out, amen. He came out crying to God for, for God's mercy, amen. And he was able to say it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. God opened my blinded eyes, amen. God sent a man to me to tell me a, a message of mercy that God wanted to fill me with the Holy Ghost. That's what Paul testified. He said, that man came to me and said, Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Our God wants to wash away those sins. Our God wants to draw us out. Hallelujah. Our God wants to meet, us, meet with us at an altar. He wants to work a miracle in every life. Whoo, hallelujah, hallelujah. And he is able to do it if we'll simply find a place of repentance. Because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Praise God. In the book of Acts chapter 2, when Peter came out of that upper room, and we're familiar with that story, and uh, he began to preach to those that gathered around. It was a miraculous event. How God placed... 120 in an upper room in such a position and you've been there and maybe saw where the upper room was supposed to be brother. And, uh, I don't know the, you know the location in that city but somehow the way it worked out miraculously when they came out of that upper room they were right in the middle of a crowd it was noised abroad and uh, that crowd had gathered around there and I don't know how many thousands were there at least 3,000 because 3,000 that day were added to the Lord. But Peter came out of there and saw all these people surrounding him. And uh, he just began to preach. And as he began to preach, now remember, remember Peter's 
experienced just not too long before this where uh, he met with the Lord on a beach and uh, now Peter Peter wasn't right he wasn't where he needed to be he had denied the Lord three times and uh, when he met the Lord on that beach it was a humbling experience it was an experience of repentance is what it was he had denied the Lord three times the Lord asked him three times do you love me <laughs> then feed my sheep do you love me feed my lambs do you love me and that third time something seemed to break and Peter said Lord you know I love you you know I love you and he found a sorrow place of repentance so that's the Peter that's standing before this crowd a man just came fresh from an altar a man who just came from an experience where God showed mercy on him he knew he knew that he was not worthy but God had mercy on him and as he began to preach out of this heart full of love for God from this place of repentance Bible tells us there in verse 36 therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus whom you have crucified both Lord and Christ now that bloodthirsty mob at least that's what they were just a few days earlier when Jesus was brought before them and they chanted crucify him crucify him that was some of the same people Jesus that Peter was preaching to that day remember that when they heard that message you have crucified him when it came from the heart of a man that had had an experience of repentance it touched their hearts they didn't rise up against that and pick up stones to stone Peter they cried out what must we do <laughs> hallelujah and Peter told them repent <laughs> And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What, does, what is the scripture trying to tell us here? It's telling us a lot of things. But one thing it is telling us, we need a place of repentance. Doesn't matter who we are, where we live, what's happening in our life. Repentance is always in order. Amen. It's not a one-time experience. Amen. From here till Jesus comes, however that happens in my life, I need an altar where I can cry out to God for mercy. Amen. None of us is so good. None of us is so pure and so right that we don't need a place where we can meet with God. Amen. And find once again that fresh touch. That fresh touch. Peter is the one who preached a little bit later on there in Acts chapter 3. Since it's close there, we can just turn. As he was preaching to another group there in verse 19, he said, again, he said, Repent you therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I know about me. I, I need refreshing. One reason I come to the house of God, one, one expectation that I have is I expect a refreshing presence of God. Hallelujah. There's a way we prepare for that. 
We prepare for cry, by crying out to God like Peter said. He said, you want it? Just repent. Hallelujah. You're expecting a refreshing. You can have it. Repent, therefore, and uh, be converted, and your sins will be blotted out. And not only that, here's going to come. Amen. There's going to come a refreshing, an outpouring. Amen. A shower from the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. What is that refreshing? It's a quickening. Amen. It's a rejuvenating. I don't know about you, but I need all that I can get. It's a reviving. Hallelujah. It's revival in my life. I need that every time I can get a chance. Hallelujah. When we come to church, uh, uh, there are some that get it and some don't. All I know is I want to be one of the ones that gets it. Hallelujah. I want to come prepared. Lord, you're going to be pouring it out. I don't know if so-and-so or uh, he or she's going to get what they need, but, Lord, I'm planning on it. Somewhere between the time that first note is played on the instrument till the time the last amen is said, somewhere in there, whoo, Lord, let that glory be poured out on me. Amen. Let there come a cloud burst upon my soul. It's miraculous what Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Look what it did. Look what it did for those Corinthians. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Going right back there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Season of repentance turned that church around. Brought a new spirit into that church. Brought a refreshing into that church. Amen. Brought revival. It says in verse 11, Behold this selfsame thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort. Tears. But not just surface tears. Tears from the heart. The heart is the problem. You know, repentance goes to the heart of the problem. It really does. And Jesus simply said, Out of that heart. He said, That's where come the, the uh, adulteries. The fornications, they come out of the heart. Those inordinate desires. It may not have been something that's even acted out, but just that desire. That's, that comes out of the heart. It's an issue of the heart. That evil speaking, guess where it comes from? It's, it's the heart. That malice. All those things that, that, that can make us sinners. <laughs> comes out of this heart. But there's a way to take care of the problems of the heart. And he said, you sorrowed after a godly sort. What carefulness it wrought in you. Uh, he said, yea, what clearing of yourselves. Again, he says, yea, what indignation against that, that iniquity and that sin. Yea, what fear. Yea, what vehement desire. Yea, what zeal, what revenge in all things. Ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Amen. And it all came when they found that place. Praise God. I've been, I've been in situations in my life that I, I just couldn't feel God like I needed to. Uh, and they're just dry places it seems like we go through. But I found that there are some answers. Amen. In His presence can be fullness of joy. 
at his right hand can be pleasures forevermore. Amen. There can be a refreshing that comes. There can be a clearing of ourselves. There can be a clearing out of all that debris that separates between us and our God and that free flow of the Holy Ghost. And it begins in an altar of repentance. Hallelujah. Let's stand together this morning. Amen. I love the freedom. I love the liberty. I love the victory that's in the church of the living God. Hallelujah. A church that's learned to respond and yield to the presence of the Lord. There's nothing that will substitute for that refreshing, that free flow of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Lord, we reach out to you together this morning. Oh, God, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. Ooh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. We find ourselves sometimes in our minds, we're saying, well, what if I went back and rebuilt some of those things? You know, the world wasn't all that bad. We forget how bad it was. I'm telling you, we forget. We, we need to connect sometimes with somebody who's who's bound by sin to be reminded again what God delivered us from. We don't ever want to go back there. I never want to build again those things which I destroyed. Not one little thing. Oh, it's just a little thing. I can go back. No. No. Paul said, if I build again those things which I destroyed, I'm making myself a sinner, a transgressor all over again. I need to hit the altar, in other words, is what Paul was saying. When I find those yearnings and those desires again, those, those things come back up again in my life. Praise God. Praise God. And it's a miraculous thing that takes place when we simply bring it before the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen. There was a man that, uh, that brought me to God, a young man. He was younger than me. And I so admired his walk with God. And uh, I wasn't always sure how he got that touch of God. You know, I'd see him worship, of course. And uh, so as we became friends after I got in the church, um, one day there was a, a message preached about repentance. And I was new in the Lord, and, and so I talked to Brother Tim. I said, Brother Tim, man, I said, how do I do this, this repent? I see people repenting. And uh, he said, he said, you just get down on your face and you just do it. <laughs> you just do it. It's, it's effort. Amen. We have to break through this flesh. We have to break through these desires. We, we break through into the presence of the Lord. And so what do we do? We just go to the altar and we just do it. Amen. We just repent. It's in the scripture. It brings miraculous results. And God will meet with us. We come to that altar. Hallelujah. Amen. As our sister plays.